Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, October 11th, a Monday edition of the show this week, as we missed last week where I was doing some traveling, uh, and I will also be traveling a little bit later this week. So if you're headed to Cancun for the ALG Ascend Conference, hit me up because I will be there and I would love to meet you. So as I will our, our guest for today's show. And now joining me on the show today is Sarah Klein of Time for Travel. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm Sarah Klein. I own Time for Travel. We're in Davidsonville, Maryland. We just celebrated our 25th year in business. And um, we basically specialize in groups and destination weddings uh, and more and more every day. Awesome. Yeah. So Sarah and I are going to discuss the future of the all-inclusive resort sector. But first, let's dive into what's been trending in the last week. And we begin with a look at travel industry recovery status as research from the World Travel and Tourism Council finds slower than expected uh, travel and tourism recovery. The WTTC believes that the global economy will receive a modest 30.7% uh, year-on-year increase from travel and tourism in 2021, which will only represent about $1.4 trillion uh, US dollars, and it's mainly driven by domestic spending. Not a huge surprise there. What I did find surprising in that was that they think next year is expected to be similar numbers. So uh, I hope that uh, they're just underselling it there. I hope that is wrong and that you know we can exceed expectations for 2022, but uh, time will only tell on that. But the the recent jobs report dip did lead to the U.S. Travel Association to call on Congress for additional industry relief, saying, quote, there remains a great need for Congress to provide additional federal relief and incentives to sustain travel dependent businesses until a complete recovery can take hold, which will require the turn of return of business travel as well as international inbound travel. So all of this, um, you know, and speaking of international, the uh, International Air and Transport Association said that there's growing frustration over all the travel restrictions. Um, a recent survey they did said that 67% uh, of respondents felt that most country borders should be open now, which is an increase of 12% um, from their June survey of earlier this year. So Sarah, what do you think about the current status of global tourism and its path to recovery? Should Congress help out more uh, like the U.S. Travel Association is calling for? Yeah, I... I really hope they're wrong about the forecast. I really do. Because I think the demand is there. The desire is there. And I what's really holding things up are all the restrictions and limitations and the confusion. Um, do I think the industry needs more help? Absolutely. Um, it's been a rough, you know, we're going on almost two years, you know, as we get in kicking off the 2022 season and no business can sustain that. So, tourism and travel is just such a big part of the global economy that it absolutely needs to be top priority um, to be you know, held up, helped, uh, pushed along, any incentive that we can do to get that moving again. Absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, they, they, it was good numbers for the summer. They, um, the hospitality sector led everything, but then obviously a bit of a dip as we get into the slower season of the fall and um, shoulder season, as people like to say. So, yeah, hopefully we can get, uh, you know, a, a bigger push for uh, the winter and the holiday season because that's where um, and it is not all doom and gloom as airlines are projecting a busy holiday um, season. But uh, data from Longwoods International showed that there are mixed feelings among American travelers about holiday right now. As far as incentives go, uh, they had tossed around like a year ago about like a tourism um, tax incentive, you know, to to get people to um, travel and then you could tax right off it in the end. But nothing has ever really come from that. So it'd be interesting to see if they, they put forth some incentives to kind of sustain travel dependent businesses as the U.S. Travel Association was calling for. But 
as of right now, yeah, it's 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 tough to, to witness. But, you know, with the holiday season coming up, there are hopefully brighter days ahead in terms of um, getting that recovery to can continue to improve there. So are you seeing um, holiday travel business shaping up? How is it for you? Uh, are you hearing from industry peers about holiday travel? Do you, do you think it'll be a busy season at all, Sarah? I do. It's been like riding a wave. It has been crazy. In the beginning of the summer, it was almost terrifying the amount of inquiries and business. And I was like, I need to staff up and and really figure this out because it was overwhelming. And then it cooled off a little bit. But I now am seeing an uptick again. Um, I'm not super, super confident about the holiday season. I think the want is there. I think the demand is there, but I think people actually pulling the trigger, they're still a little hesitant. So um, I'm not personally as focused on the holiday season as I'm really looking into 2022. And just, I think that winter season really might be our big boom because people are going to be cold and want to get away and done with the holidays. So I think Personally, in my business, I'm looking more to just making 22 an absolute banner year. Interesting. Yeah. Um, travel advisors out there listening, podcast at travelpulse.com. Let me know your thoughts on how, uh, what you're feeling for holiday travel versus uh, winter into 2022. Um, interesting perspective there. I think interesting, too, that... Um, you know, holiday season is always a busy time and then rolling into 2022, a lot of people spend the holidays with family and then they plan out their 2020, well, the following year, but they'll plan out 2022 travel plans as well. So it'd be, I think there's going to be a lot of road uh, traffic and a lot of visiting family and friends, but maybe not so much, you know, going to hotels or visiting um, international destinations like Cancun or the Caribbean, which has been, you know, the popular spots uh, as far as international travel goes at the moment. I agree. And I think a big part of it, too, is a lot of holiday travel involves children. And I feel like that's a, one of the really big hesitations in people are worried about traveling with unvaccinated children. You know, if they're under 11, they're probably still not vaccinated. And just the school restrictions, because many are back to school. So when they come home, are they going to have to quarantine? Do they really want to pull their kids out of school now that they're actually back? So I'm finding a much higher demand for the adult vacations than I am necessarily the family vacations. And I think that's what's going to hinder the holiday recovery, is people not wanting to take kids internationally or pull them out of school. That's a great insight. Yeah, the CDC issued last week uh, new guidance and recommendations for winter travel. They essentially said if you're unvaccinated, uh, don't travel at all. And a new survey actually came out last week, too, about Americans. Uh, some Americans would be willing to pay more to travel if it meant that they'd have 100 percent vaccinated flights and hotel or and hotels. So, uh, Sarah, your thoughts there. Do you think some of your clients would pay more for that? I do. I absolutely do. It's funny. I have really been able to boost my Jamaica sales based on that exact scenario. It's out of Baltimore, uh, we have Southwest nonstop a couple times a day. And you have to have a negative test to board that flight. It's three hours. You know, everybody on that plane has either been vaccinated and tested. So it's like the COVID-free plane to the Caribbean. Um, so that has really, really boosted our Jamaica business just, you know, for that one thing. Because people say, where can I go that's safe? Where can I go that's easy? Um, and of course, Mexico and the Dominican aren't necessarily requiring that you're vaccinated or have a test to enter. But Jamaica is, and it's the same flight time for Baltimore. Interesting. 
Yeah, I think that's good to, to know. I mean, safety has been top of mind for so many travelers out there. We see it in our own uh, story data, too, that it is, that's what people gravitate towards is, you know, how, how safe it was. Was it at a destination that someone recently traveled to or what the new restrictions are in place at certain um, destinations around? But we know that Mexico and uh, Cancun specifically, uh, they have been booming. They have been doing really well. And then the DR, too, because of those lacks on entry requirements and it's easier to, to do that. But yeah, as far as those who are safety conscious are, are making a, a larger effort into where can I go that I'll feel safer in that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's people's first priority is just safety and being able to come back into the United States easily. Um, so, you know, most of the hotels in those destinations are supporting the return testing, doing it complimentary. I think as long as those stay in place, that'll also help boost travel. Definitely, yeah. That's why we've seen a lot of all-inclusives uh, step up and offer that um, at, when it first uh, became a, a mandatory thing back in January of 21, which feels like forever ago now. Um, now that we're in October, but um, yeah, well, we'll touch on um, all-inclusives here in a minute. But just to round up, um, the quick destination update news as far as what is going around in the world and um, reopenings and stuff. Australia uh, was looking like they were going to be opening up by Christmas. That was their target time. They did announce now that they're going to block international travel until 2022. Uh, but first, they will focus on reopening up their domestic tourism at the end of this year. And then um, international travels will be able to... Get to there in 2022. Um, Chile is uh, dropping quarantine requirements for vaccinated travelers, which is good. Canada announced domestic and international travelers arriving in the country via commercial flight, flight, train, or cruise ship must be fully vaccinated. Uh, Singapore and Vietnam also recently announced in the last few uh, days that they will open to U.S. travelers later this year. So I love seeing more and more destination reopening news. That's probably my favorite stuff that we can write out on travelpulse.com right now is uh, anytime there's more reopening stuff. um, I'm loving that stuff. Um, So Sarah, is there a particular destination that's uh, not open or has been closed for a while that you yourself want to visit? Or maybe you're hearing from um, about a specific destination for clients, maybe for 2022? um, Or is is there one you might think uh, might gain the most interest once the world finally does reopen fully? Funny, in our office, the one place that has really stood out that if more people have called and said, I've got to go now because I'm not sure what's going to happen, is Hawaii. I think uh, people were just shocked that being a U.S. state, that they weren't really able to travel for quite a long time to Hawaii. And I think that's really high on a lot of people's bucket list. Um, and the amount of travel we had this fall for, and especially older travelers who were just like, this might be my only opportunity. What if they shut it down again? What if I don't make it next year? Um, And I was really, even when like Maui was talking about completely shutting down the island and not letting people on, I had a group that were in their 70s. They're like, we're going because this might be our only chance. Even if we end up not even getting over to the island, we're still going. So that surprised me is the demand for Hawaii. Um, Beyond that, I think like the European river cruises, that's on the top of my list. And just, I think with all the restrictions going between countries, I think that's really going to boom because you can get on one boat, don't have to deal with so many different restrictions of crossing borders and stuff like that. So, um, that's next on my list. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, on the waterways cruise at the end of, August and it was a fantastic experience. Um, there was a lot of paperwork just because you got to fill out stuff to go into the entry. But I mean, doing it with 
um, a river cruise or a tour if you're going to do Europe right now, I think is the best way to go about that just because it, they, the company that you're going to be with is going to handle everything for you and guide you. And obviously, if you have a travel advisor, they'll help you in that regard as well. But yeah. um, for those who out there who don't have advisors, make sure you, you, you get one these days. But um, yeah, yeah, river cruise is, is a phenomenal experience. So hopefully you can uh, experience that soon. Absolutely. On my list. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Uh, I'm excited for more of Asia to open up. Uh, the Singapore news is awesome. I went in 2015 uh, before I started working here, actually, and it kind of um, really sparked the the desire to for, for international travel even more so for me. It's a long flight, but it was totally worth it. The experience was awesome. So I'm really excited that Singapore is opening back up and, and Thailand, too, in November will be opening reopening as well. So those are some places I really would love to get to um, just experience Singapore again and then to finally experience Thailand because I have yet to do that, but I hear so many great things. Um, so I'm looking forward to those places reopening. Um, listeners out there, podcast at travelpulse.com. Where in the world do you want to go? Let me know, shoot me an email, and I'll love to hear your feedback as well. So our final trending topic will push us into the theme of this week's show on all-inclusive resorts. Uh, last week, it was a it was a big week for all-inclusive announcements. Uh, Marriott introduced the Marriott Bonvoy in conjunction with Blue Diamond Resorts, and Wyndham and Playa Hotels and Resorts uh, unveiled a partnership. They will be doing uh, Wyndham Ultra, if you're familiar with the Panama Jack brand um, in Cancun. Those are going to be ch- changing over to Wyndham Ultra. So some big-name brands adding more properties in the all-inclusive space. So, Sarah, what did you think of these uh, moves last week? I have mixed emotions, okay. <laughs> honestly, okay. these moves. I mean, I get it. I absolutely understand that this takes brands like Panama Jack, like a Royalton, that is not a household name. And now the consumers see those as a Marriott or a Wyndham. Um, and it makes them a lot more comfortable because it's recognizable. Um, you know, people can use their loyalty programs, So I think, you know, those are the good things for consumers. Uh, I think, you know, if you're hesitant to go out of the country, then if you see the name Hyatt and Marriott, you're like, oh, I know that. I know there's a consistency. I know there's a quality um, in the brand. So I think that's phenomenal. Um, For the travel advisors, I'm really happy with this part of it because I think it's financial stability. So coming out of the pandemic, you know, a lot of our worries are when we're planning these destination weddings and these groups and we're planning a year, two years, some even three years out, you're in which hotels do I want to put my guests at? Because who's still going to be around? Who's, you know, financially viable and going to be a good choice? So I think the backing of these big brands is helpful. Um, but I will be a little contrary as well as a okay, travel okay. advisor. I do feel it will pull some business away from us uh, because people can just pop on, you know, Hyatt.com, Marriott.com and book themselves. They don't really need us as much for that. They have points. Um, at a perfect example, as soon as that Bonvoy announcement came out, I had a bride call. She says, my mom is like a top member. And can you um, use her points? I said, I can't. She has to do that directly through the hotel. She's, well, will I get credit for her room? Will you still get credit for the sale? And I was like, nope, she won't be part of your wedding group. I don't get any commission. So those little things are going to be hurdles for us. But overall, I think it's positive. Yeah, that's that's a key part, especially for advisors right there, is taking away some of the business. So you you got to hope that you know these big-name brands will try to 
lean on advisors in some aspects because that's who has been excelling with the all-inclusive sector. Uh, but I, you do see a lot of big name brands push for, you know, direct bookings and just come to our website. Like I remember a Hilton advertisement. Um, I think, yeah, Anna Kendrick was in the, in the advertisement, um, big yeah. pitch for a fan, but, um, yeah, she was just like, yeah, come book direct. And I was like, I don't like this commercial because yeah, it doesn't no. do well for advisors. <laughs> there. Not so much after this commercial. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So it is a little frustration. So I can see both sides of it. Um, I think in the big picture, it's a good thing. Um, and I hope that maybe these brands will start to see our value and see what we've been selling all these years. And I've actually had some executives reach out to me from those companies and say, can we pick your brain on all inclusives and how it works? And uh, so it's been interesting. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's nice that they're Reaching out. Um, I did want to read one quote we had up in a story on Travel Pulse this week. Um, Frank Maduro, vice president of marketing at AIC Hotel Group, um, which runs the all-inclusives, um, Hard Rock All-Inclusives and Nobu and stuff. So um, he welcomed the news and he said, quote, not only will this bring additional exposure to the all-inclusive market and attract a new clientele who may not have been keen to the market previously, but these brands will also raise overall standards of quality in the market and un undoubtedly encourage airlines to increase lift to these destinations. These new additions to the all-inclusive market are definitely a catalyst for positive change and growth in the industry, end quote. And I really liked that because I thought that was very fitting and, and for, a, uh, I guess, a competing brand, if you will, um, yeah. to, to welcome such news of um, big name brands into the space, which obviously is going to create more competition. But in the yeah. end, it's still good for um, the all-inclusive sector in general. So. Absolutely. Frank is an industry veteran, so he knows what he's talking about. Um, but no, he's right. It's it's kind of fun to watch the evolution of coming out of the pandemic. These hoteliers were so focused on the business and the corporate travel that they're like, wait a minute, there's this whole other segment of leisure yeah. travel that they've really been ignoring all these years. And if it does increase airlift, that's a win-win for everybody. I mean, the competition into the Caribbean and Mexico and Costa Rica with these airlines would be fabulous. Um, and it doesn't make everybody step their game up a little bit, which is a great thing all the way around. Absolutely. Yeah. So much has changed in the last few years and obviously the last decade for sure. Most recently with, you know, Marriott and the Wyndham news, and then you had Hyatt uh, acquiring Apple Leisure Group earlier this year. So uh, my question, you know, and the question of the headline here on, on the podcast is what do you think the future holds for the all-inclusive resort sector? I think they're going to boom. I think this actually is going to be a renaissance for Caribbean, Mexico, for the travel advisor, because people even, you know, as things start to come back, may be a little hesitant to head back to Asia, to go on a 10 hour flight to Europe, to go off the beaten path, you know, and hang with the locals. I think everybody's going to like that little bubble for a while, um, you know, of being in a really nice resort, having everything right there. So I see in the foreseeable future, the all inclusive segment is really positioned very well and the writings on the wall was seeing all these big brands jumping into the pool definitely yeah we've mm -hmm. seen the all-inclusives have had success uh currently once restrictions did uh put in place uh, and lift for people to to actually go out and travel again you know obviously they couldn't open at full capacity and i remember last summer i went to um hyatt ziva property and they said that they were only could be 
at like 30% capacity was what the rules were. And then you got there and it was really only like 18% capacity is what they informed me. Um, but it felt like I had to resort to myself. Obviously things are going to change as more and more people are going to get out and travel. But yeah, right now, I mean, that is definitely one of the best, best ways to travel internationally if that's your, what you're looking for. And if you're a type of person who doesn't or have to have clients who just kind of want their own space and have, you know, so many amenities right there, you know, all inclusives is, is the way to go. Yeah. And I think even the concept of all-inclusive has evolved. I mean, it's not just the big mega hotel complex. You know, they're going a bit more boutique and a bit more upscale. So even those travelers who are like, you know, oh, I'm not an all-inclusive person, you know, or I'm not, you know, a drinker. I still think now we can find the resort to fit that person um, that it's really going to be small enough and boutique enough to create that experience that they're looking for. Um, and they don't have to do an EP hotel. Yeah, that's a great point. And I do wonder, too, if it will push other sectors to maybe explore an all-inclusive aspect in their own company, whether that's like a tour all-inclusive stuff or or cruise lines have, you know, they've some of them have all-inclusive packages and stuff. But I wonder with, you know, a greater push into more and more all-inclusive bookings, will that change things um, in other sectors of the industry? Yeah, yeah I, I think we're in for a lot of changes. Um, and I think, you know, we said the, the adventure stuff will come back. But right now, I think everybody really wants to just feel safe and feel pampered and have a great experience. We've all been cooking for ourselves for a year and a half and doing our own nails and, you know, all those things. We want to be catered to. We want to go to the spa. We want to experience all those things again. And I think the all-inclusives are really poised to take full advantage. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, Marriott said this last week that it plans to have 33 all-inclusive resorts by 2025, which I found um, pretty interesting. And they had, um, they did a a study too, and they partnered up and did research firm STR and found that in the first half of 2019, there were 1500 all-inclusive resorts that generated $7.9 billion in sales, a 20% increase from five years earlier in the space. Obviously, you know, 2020 is down, 2021 is going to, you know, not be the best, obviously better than 2020, but still not as great as um, previous years. So I do wonder how that's going to impact, you know, sales wise 2022. I don't think that they'll reach that 7.9 billion number, uh, but 23, I think they could absolutely surpass that number. I absolutely do too. I'll tell you personally, our business in 2022 is already double any previous year in business in our last 25 years. Wow. So Super, super optimistic about the recovery. I just think the demands there, if the rules get situated and, you know, the vaccines, you know, keep rolling out, uh, I see no reason why we can't even have a fabulous recovery, at least for this part of the world, you know, for the Caribbean, Mexico, you know, Central America. I think that's going to recover first. It may be more into 23 before we start looking at Europe and Asia. I agree with that. Yeah. So as far as, you know, the the Caribbean has kind of become synonymous with all-inclusive resorts. Um, Do you think uh, which destinations and which uh, resort brands do you think uh, are are best or excel more than others in in, uh, various aspects? Um, I've really jumped on board with AMR a lot this year just because of the growth um, and the just the different properties they're opening. And um, I do a lot of weddings and they have really stood out in the wedding segment. Um, but I still, you know, in love with my sandals, my AIC, Hard Rocks, Unicos, they're still absolutely 
fabulous partners, Charisma. Um, so we're still really pushing, you know, clients to stay with our favorite brands. Um, but what I have seen is a few others are emerging. Um, I'm doing a lot more of Majestic, uh, a little bit of Palladium. So they really have stood out for my 22. Um, I think a couple of these hotels rolling out, like the COVID insurance policies really helped kind of push some brides and grooms to look at those hotels. Uh, so I think we've got some some new players in the game. For sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to choose from. And I think that's if you're... Um, not if, for my consumer listeners out there, you know, make sure you work with a travel advisor if you are thinking about an all inclusive because, you know, it's, it's they're not all created equal. That is for sure. I've been at some fantastic yeah. ones. I've been at some that were just okay and the food was not so great. So you got to <laughs> know what you're getting into just because you might see a great deal, you know, on the TV ad or on online somewhere. You, you want to make sure you talk to an expert out there who can guide you into um, what's going to be the best for you and, and your party or, or your partner or whatever, whoever you're traveling with. Yeah, absolutely. And even within the brand, you know, some hotels, it yeah. may all have the same name. They may all be a Royalton or a Dreams, but they're all a little bit different. So that's why, you know, leaning on a travel advisor is a priceless, especially in this <laughs> current environment. Indeed. Yeah. So as far as, you know, the future of all inclusives, we're seeing so much growth and new brands come up, you know, um, announcing new properties, you know, planning to have X, X number of properties by uh, certain years in the next few, you know, uh, are there any destinations you think should add all-inclusive resorts or ones that you wish would um, in that, whether it's a uh, new ones or, or uh, a destination that doesn't have any at all and they should add some, or, or maybe there's some that uh, destination that has a few, but should add more. Yes. On a daily basis, I get asked for Ruba and St. Thomas. So those two, um, you know, Aruba has a handful of all-inclusives, but nothing that's really like the adult-only three standard. And I feel disappointed clients all the time when I'm, you know, telling them that, you know, there is all-inclusives, but there's only one adults-only, and, you know, there's no plunge pools or swim-out suites. So they really could go far with that. Um, and I think the other is, is St. Thomas um, or just U.S. Virgin Islands in general. Yeah. I mean, there are still people without passports. You know, every once in a while, I still get the wedding. It's like, you know, I need to have a location that doesn't require passports. You know, they might have a family member or someone who's just got a green card and just can't, you know, do that. Um, so I think the United States would be really well poised to do something you know, in St. Thomas, in St. Croix, even in Puerto Rico, there's nothing right now. There is absolutely nothing that competes with destinations like Jamaica and the DR in Mexico. Yeah, I would love to see that for St. Thomas. I do know people that just don't have passports yet. And I'm like, you should really get one. And they're like, yeah, you know, I don't really travel much. But yeah, there's certain situations too, where family members don't have it yet. Yeah. And um, yeah, that would be huge. This year as well with the um, the holdup with the passport office, you know, for mm -hmm. a while there, they were talking, you know, 20 plus weeks to get a passport. And we're thinking people are calling saying, where else can I go? What can I look at? And, you know, I'd pull up St. Thomas and there just really wasn't anything to offer. Um, and even Puerto Rico was a bit limited. I actually went down to Puerto Rico a few weeks ago because I was like, I need to see some of these hotels and make sure they really are up to that standard. Um and, you know, unfortunately, they could use some help. <laughs> so, um, I, so I think maybe these Marriott's and these, you know, U.S.-based brands could really expand into those destinations to bring in some nicer all-inclusives. 
I'm with you. I think that is a great potential for the sector and, and, and those new brands that are trying to break into the space and, and get new clientele who maybe haven't considered that. And obviously the ones who don't have passports too. So um, one I always hear about too um, from advisors and just regular travelers too is Hawaii, that they wish that would do yeah. that. But I, I don't see that happening. I, I was in Hawaii in May and I um, was asking some of the, the hotel association people I was with. Um, and I was like, do you think Hawaii will ever get an all-inclusive? And then like, I got the fastest no I think I've ever heard. No. <laughs> and I was like, no. Same. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, no, no. yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. more to do with, you know, the food aspect of it and just the logistics of things too. But um, I partly wonder too, if some of them just don't want the, some type, the, the stereotypical types of travelers who might visit all inclusives and stuff too. So interesting um, in, in for Hawaii. I think, you know, I think like Bermuda has always been the same way. Like that's why they only have like kind of a limited all inclusive because there is a stereotype of the type of traveler that goes to an all inclusive. But Bermuda's just right here. We can get there like in an hour. Like if you just had a couple all inclusives, even if they're really high end, it would bring in. Oh, so yeah. much more. Yeah, rep. you could price out some of that the stereotypical, yeah. typical, um, all-inclusive person. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, other destinations have done it for years. Um, so I think in Hawaii, I agree with no all-inclusives. I just went a couple years ago, finally, and did all the islands, and now I see why you would be doing yourself a disservice to do an all-inclusive in Hawaii. There's just so much to see, so much great food. So I always kind of explain my way out of that that one, but. All my clients are always shocked. They're like, it's an island. Why, why isn't it all inclusive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. just, <laughs> it's just it's where they're at. And yeah, I, I don't see it happening um, yeah. anytime soon. Never yeah. say never, obviously, but I don't think anytime soon would be much of one. And um, unless, you know, one of these larger brands just decides to plop it in and, you know, flex their, their muscles and their money, I guess. But it might be yeah. like a high rise situation instead of, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to Either- see. I mean, optional add-ons for all-inclusive have worked for some other destinations, um, you know, some in the Bahamas and places like that in the past. So that may be something for them to look at. And maybe with these bigger brands, they'll explore that. Yes, mm. indeed. So uh, thank you so much for jumping on. One final question here to wrap things up. Um, we do have a lot of travel advisor listeners that hang on. So here, so what is your advice to travel ad- advisors who sell all-inclusives right now um, and into the future? <sighs> Partnerships. I think that's the biggest part of it right now is really pick based on your clientele and based on who you're selling to, whether you do weddings, whether you do luxury, um, is just pick out some hotel brands that you think are really going to be a good fit for your business and get to know them well. I mean, we can't be experts on the entire world and we can't know every hotel in and out. Um, But I think if you find those partners that have a diversified brand where you've got adults only, family brands, high end, you know, boutique, a nice mix, then you'll be able to really offer your clients the best of that particular hotel. And then you have the support. You know, you'll have a BDM, you have salespeople that you can go to to really enhance their experience. And if there are any hiccups, you've got a partner. So that's my best advice is uh, making sure that you know who you're selling, what you're selling, and that they respect you as well. Great insight. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining. Uh, Great conversations here about all-inclusives and trending stories uh, around the globe. So any uh, final closing thoughts you want to issue out to listeners out there? 
Well, I look forward to um, heading to Cancun tomorrow. And I understand I'll see you later in the week there as well. Yes, yeah, safe travels. So ALGSN conference. If anyone out there listening is going to be there, uh, find yes, us. Yes, and fly, flying Southwest tomorrow as long as everything goes well after the weekend of a few uh, bumps and cancellations. Yes. So, uh, yeah, just looking forward to a weekend of learning, seeing so many people we haven't seen in a year or two years. So it'll feel almost normal. Um, and, you know, just kind of reconnecting because so many BDMs and sales reps and things have changed over this last year and a half. Um, that is going to be nice to see some familiar faces and find out who our new representatives are. Absolutely. Yeah. Making connections. It's very key. Um, that was the title of my column this week. Keep Bowman's travel brief. You can check that out on travelpulse.com. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks for everyone for listening. Have a great week. 